How do you inject HR and people innovation inside of a 150-year-old global leader in the space? I'm super curious how to create a culture of innovation on the people side specifically, especially in large established corporates. And today I'm really excited to have Melissa Harper, the SVP of HR Innovation at Bayer to come on the show and tell me a little bit more about how she manages that function at Bayer. So we'll be right back with that after a quick word from our sponsor. Redefining HR one podcast at a time. Support for the Redefining HR podcast comes from PIN. PIN is building the world's first employee-centric communications tool, enabling your employees to automatically receive helpful messages at key moments throughout their journey, from onboarding to promotions and everywhere in between. PIN helps companies battle communication overload and puts your employees in control over when and how they receive information. Go to PINHQ.com for more information. That's P-Y-N-H-Q.com. And reinvent employee communications for the distributed workplace. And now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Redefining HR Podcast. I'm your host, Lars Schmidt, and I am really excited today to be joined by the SVP of HR Innovations at Bayer, Melissa Harper. We're going to talk about what Melissa's background was kind of leading up to that role and then really dig into what that innovation-focused role within an organization like Bayer means and what she's working on and what she's thinking about. So, Melissa, thanks so much for coming on the show. If you wouldn't mind, why don't you give the listeners an introduction of you? Hi, glad to be here. And thank you, Lars. I'm Melissa Harper sitting here in St. Louis, Missouri, and excited to share with you and the audience on uh, my role uh, as head of HR innovations at Bear. Uh, Bear is a, an exciting company that's going through uh, accelerating our own business transformation, whether that's modernizing our delivery um, you know, being more of that platform organization and our reach to customers and uh, embracing more digital internally as well as externally in our life science pro- products to society. So glad to share more about that. Yeah. And I think, you know, you you have a, a really interesting background that kind of started uh, in executive search and scaled from there to kind of corporate TA and talent leadership, uh, obviously getting into your new role, which we'll get into you. But let's start kind of at the beginning. What what originally drew you to uh, to HR when you started your career in recruiting? Yeah, early in my career, I was I knew I was interested in something that connected uh, business and people. You know, we certainly know that no business strategy can um, get off the ground and have impact without the people and culture. And I I really knew early in my career that that culture would be that differentiating factor for winning businesses. And so, you know, majoring in psychology, but then going on to an MBA, um, the early part of my career in executive search, you know, taught me how do you quickly match the business needs to the people needs, and then bringing that, extending that into you know, my corporate experiences has been a great combination. And so, you know, your role now, so you you ended up at Bayer uh, through their acquisition of Monsanto. You've been in your role as a SVP of HR Innovation since January. And so I, I want to really spend some time with you 
on kind of the mandate of that role. But before we even dig into that, uh, just for listeners, I mean, I imagine all listeners are familiar with Bayer. Uh, you know, many probably don't have a, a clear sense of uh, size of Bayer, size of the people team. So maybe if you could just kind of level set for listeners, uh, walk me through, you know, the, the overall size of Bayer, kind of the size of the people team, and then the size of the group that you lead within HR Innovation. Sure. Great, Lars. I'll start with Bayer. It's a global company. We have over a 150-year history across life sciences, and our, our products and services are really designed to benefit people to uh, for their quality of life. So our products, which range from products like aspirin or claritin or one a day, may sound familiar. But if I break down each of our main uh, businesses, so our Pharmaceutical business really is all about contributing to medical progress through cardiology, oncology, women's health, and leveraging data analytics in order to deliver greater value to our patients and customers. In our consumer health business, that's all about enabling or providing consumers with products, services, and information needed to take responsibility for their daily health. That self-care. And in our crop science business, that's about um, advancing digital farming and bringing greater innovation and a stronger focus on sustainability in agriculture, given all that we know around population growth and consumers' consumption changes. So that's our, our businesses that we're in. And again, in each aspect, we're increasing digital, both in how we advance and reach our customers and how we operate inside. We're headquartered in Germany uh, with over 100,000 colleagues across about 90 countries. And then if we go to our HR function, um, that has about 2,000 team members globally. And specifically my team, and I'm sure we'll talk more about that structure, but uh, just under 20 people designed intentionally to be Um, a very uh, modern, forward-looking, connected-to-the-business group of individuals that make up uh, what we call HR innovations. And it range, you know, it's it's a model that was designed to really um, turn that traditional older COE, as we know it, um, into a more modern, forward-looking, to partner with the business, bring value, um, and an innovation that they may know they need, but in many cases that they don't yet know they need. And so some of the areas in this group range from well-being, total rewards, contingent workforce, and and I'll talk about that because that's pretty unique in the scope, culture and change to talent development, to digital and analytics, to inclusion and diversity. So um, holistically, we're really covering end to end uh, what we need to advance our people and our culture. Yeah. And I mean, there's a, there's a lot there as, as you walk through that. So I imagine, uh, I imagine you have no dull moments as you're uh, kind of, you know, working, but also really thinking across all of those sections. Um, you know, for you, like I know you originally, uh, after the acquisition, your, your role when you first joined was SVP Global Talent and Inclusion, and you moved into the innovation-focused role. 
in January. Um, how did that come about? Did they have somebody in that role that left or did they end up creating that role and, and allow you to move into that? Like what was the, the history with how that role came to be? Yeah. So that role um, came about as part of our own company's transformation. So as we looked at where our business needs to, to go, we recognize that, um, you know, the HR function, and it's uh, certainly not uncommon for all businesses to really, or a lot of businesses to really be considering um, what does that HR model of the future need to look like in order to do and deliver a few core things one, make that business of HR more simple, right? Um, secondly, ensure that it's fueled with data and analytics in order to, to drive speed um, and also be those that carrier um, of culture. Not that that's the sole responsibility of HR, um, all leaders, but certainly to really instill, you know, greater culture. And we think about the work that we touch around ESG, social governance, or uh, sustainability. And so we recognize that, hey, let's take advantage of, as our business is changing, to also look at our HR delivery model. And in part, you know, we have HR business partners. Um, we have uh, operations, uh, what we call HR solutions. And we have what we formed to really look at that strategic elements, again, of the business internally, but also externally that we call HR um, innovation. You know, I, I know personally from having led upwards of, you know, uh, over a thousand people to hundreds of people to now, when you combine often um, the strategy and the operations, it's easy to get kind of pulled into uh, the day-to-day -day transactional of the operations. And so this is our opportunity to really go out there, be bold, um, and uh, enable a smaller team to really partner with leaders, partner with the business, um, co-create together across all of our countries and the scale of our organization um, to really inject um, even faster uh, impact and forward-looking ideas. And that's how that came about. And, um, you know, I'm glad to say that, that that's, it's one of my most exciting roles um, uh, that I've had in my career. Yeah. And I, I like the way you frame that in terms of, uh, you know, the, the natural inertia of most HR roles and uh, certainly leadership roles is, you know, is being fairly heads down. And, focused on the business, focused on all of the different complexities of the business and the people operations side of that. And I think that's where a lot of people teams struggle is that they don't have, um, I should say they, they don't make the capacity to have an element of their team in this kind of forward looking capacity and this external looking capacity to almost kind of aimed at like disrupting your own internal operations. Um, so that you can, you can adapt and you can be more agile and more nimble. Like for you, what, you know, when you, when this role was created, what, what is your kind of scope? Like what is the, you know, the, the mandate for you in this role? Yeah. So it's really about, um, you know, uh, connecting clo even closer 
the business agenda with the people agenda. And so with this cross-functional team, um, as I described, it's really about creating the frame of how we will operate. And I know we'll talk, Lars, about our next normal. And that's one of the outputs of, of many that the team has worked across our businesses to, to have a, a frame of um, how should we advance or evolve and progress. Um, and so that mandate is about is really getting close, very close to the business very close to listening and external inputs and then helping and partnering to, um, you know, to connect and again, collaborate to bring that forward. And it, it's in multiple uh, approaches as we, we think about um, there's the, you know, a balance of what needs to be that foundational elements that we just really, really need to shore up. Maybe some people think about that as continual process improvement um, but what's that here and now fix the basics that we just know we need to do um, with also a balance of what's next. Um, so many things in our portfolio of uh, things that drive digital advances and analytics, like um, at the end of this year, we'll deliver um, a whole reimagined way of learning so that it's fluid, flexible, using AI and um our ability, therefore, to upskill and reskill our talent faster will be delivered through that. And then what's later? Um, so, you know, that all the elements as we think about delivering that winning culture. And it doesn't mean that we're not, you know, in those three elements um, at the same time. We certainly are. But that's kind of how we um, view the, the scope of our mandate for these roles. So as you, you know, kind of earlier described the, um, you know, the breadth of the types of, of projects and, you know, HR and people operations areas that your team is involved with, how do you prioritize, right? Like I imagine you've got to have uh, a nearly unlimited, uh, you know, list of, of ideas and projects you want to pursue. And obviously your, your resources and your capacity is finite. So how do you manage to kind of prioritize what innovation-oriented projects you pursue. Yeah, yeah. And as we know, with prioritization, the beauty of that is, uh, you know, once you prioritize things, then do change again. So, um, you know, to me, it's always about being able to be flexible and agile to changing things. You know, we're all living it, perfect example of that right now. Right. But, you know, prioritization overall for us has really been rooted in the business you know, the business sets their priorities and therefore HR and certainly our HR innovations, um, you know, really partners and prioritizes based on that. There's this balance of, you know, what are the things that we're prioritizing and dreaming about for the future? And uh, as well as at the same time, uh, being very bold and uh, fast and aggressive in addressing our current needs. And so we've seen, uh, through, you know, while we have a formal prioritization process that it's collective, it, this is not about any one group in our HR model working um, in a silo. In fact, it's quite the opposite. This is most effective um, and also rationale in part for forming this new HR model. It's, it's getting out of the silos. And that's the exciting thing about this. 
um, in our prioritization work and in the projects that we seek to pursue. You know, having a holistic uh, way of bringing all of these elements end to end also have faster impact for our workforce and culture and people, the things that HR professionals work on. So we have uh, total rewards, you know, well-being compensation, which is total rewards sitting right here with a contingent workforce. So how we think about um, not just a label called contractors, but alternative ways of working and a- accessing skills with sitting with learning, um, with sitting with inclusion and diversity. So the fact that we have all of these um, parts of the HR value chain right there together means greater impact. And I think that's uh, another beauty to this model. Yeah, and I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna put you on the spot if you don't mind. You know what? Uh, obviously, in a role like that, you get to work on lots of different projects, uh, and you know some are uh, are are scaled to have broader and uh, larger impact. Some are maybe more niche. Um, what was your favorite project? Ah, um, you know, and not just about our current model, although that's shaping out to be uh, right now, but one of there's there's two. I'm sorry. There's there's two. I'll, I'll give you two. That's fair. <laughs> okay. uh, but they both have some similarities as to why they're the favorite. Bringing um, contingent workforce into HR, which in typical models that sits um, with finance or procurement, but bringing that into HR really was the the beginning for us to really think about. Um, accessing skills and capability building, right? Because I think HR um, needs to go move a little bit away from the older traditional way of job descriptions. We need to unpack that and really get better insights and clarity on what are the skills we need um, to run our businesses. So that was a globalizing that into HR, which uh, now we still are very much um, evolving that and working on that. Um, and then the second is inclusion and diversity and kind of, you know, turning that on its head and to say that, um, you know, a focus on diversity alone or even first uh, won't get us where we need to be. So how do we focus first on inclusion where everyone sees themselves in that um, really understand what are those inclusive behaviors to then increasing and impacting the uh, representation or diversity results. And all both of those projects took significant transformation, significant certainly um, partnering and influencing across the company globally. And, um, and we did that through uh, a heightened focus on access of data and analytics. You know, I say that data, transparency, and accountability all go hand in hand. And in both of those projects, um, that was key and has served us well as we still are very much, you know, progressing in both of those areas. Yeah. And let's talk about like, I could imagine as you're, um, you know, you're, you're managing the portfolio projects that are underway at any given time. And, uh, you know, I'd love to actually get your thoughts, like how many, how many concurrent projects is your team kind of driving at once? But um, I'd also love to get a sense like, 
what are you excited about? Like you probably have, I, I envision this, you know, Willy Wonka whiteboard of ideas that uh, you, you want to go after at some point uh, or things that, you know, you think about in, in a role like yours. What are some, you know, without going into anything proprietary, obviously, like what are some future projects that uh, you, you would, you envision your team will be kicking off in the next year that you're excited about? Yeah. There's a number of them, as you mentioned, and certainly can imagine. But I think the ones I'm most excited about are the ones that will drive uh, an increase um, use of analytics, accessing people analytics um, and data and insights in order to be in the hands of, of leaders across the company, all levels, in order to drive better insights to our people and drive, um, you know, all the things that we, we care about for our workforce development, cross-functional moves, you know, all the, the great time we spend in people or talent reviews, but using um, an increase of data and insights in order to do that, in order to drive our culture forward, you know, so we're, you know, looking at our employee experience and thinking about, different ways that we can use technology to faster listen and hear the pulse um, of our workforce. Um, because all of those are uh, differentiators for the culture um, that we care uh, about now and certainly want to continue to drive forward in the future. And that's going to, you know, at the end of the day, all things being equal to this, you know, global access to skills and ways that we're working differently, that means that, um, you know, we certainly have that uh, competitive advantage because we can we can do those things in a very fluid and fast way. Yeah, and and for you, you know, having a role where you're uh, the you know the scope and kind of the mandate is very uh, uh, externally focused in the sense of like you have to have a real finger on the pulse of external trends in the talent place, in the broader, you know, socioeconomic space, you know, all the different variables that may impact the kind of programs that you introduce to Bayer. How do you stay on top of all of that, right? It's such a, it's such a dynamic and volatile time right now. And the ability to kind of harness that information, I imagine has got to be pretty crucial in a role like yours. So what do you do to stay on top of, of trends and developments in the space? Yeah, that's a key uh, aspect and certainly benefit of me and the entire team investing that time uh, aggressively um, to stay connected both with the business and externally. And that shows up externally with, you know, all the um, benchmark, um, uh, participating in benchmark um, aspects, reaching out, connecting uh, with people. Um, you know, Lars, there's been a lot of people already that have already been connecting with us on this model um, that we're talking about today. And I also know uh, a number of companies that embarked this model even before we did. So, you know, we, we spent, invested the time to do that research. But even currently, you know, so there's the traditional channels. But I also think that just the, you know, the social channels, the connecting with people, you read something, um, we find that people are very open to, to sharing um, their, their insights. And it's not just, and it can't just be about HR talking to HR, right? Yeah. So um, economists um, to 
uh, investors to, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a very uh, broad connection. And one of the things that our team has formally brought together is this model of bringing that collective intelligence to our entire HR community in a formal way. So um, how, you know, because the, the benefit is for all in having this model. So the ways that we bring back these insights is equally important to us. Yeah, you know, and I love that you you mentioned the openness is one of those elements. I mean, I'm, I've always been a big champion of open source, but in particular, I think in 2020, I, I've seen the level of engagement and participation in open source skyrocket and come from a lot of places that traditionally had been pretty siloed, right? They kind of viewed their, their practices as trade secrets and uh, that's starting to fade away in, in a really me- real and meaningful way. People are willing to share, hey, here's how we are thinking about this. Here's how we approach this. Here's a template that we used to help us solve X. And I think as we see more of that in the, in the HR and people community, and we have access to more of uh, you know, proven practices and ideas from our peers, it's going to accelerate our own ability to drive change and innovation within our own organizations. And so I'm, I'm excited to, uh, I, I've been excited to watch that, but excited to actually hear that, you know, you've been experiencing that yourself as you're, uh, as you're focusing on kind of tapping into, you know, your peers, which is a pretty small community, I'd imagine on, uh, on what they're doing. You know, one thing I, I'd love to get your sense of, you know, you, you, you've shared on LinkedIn how uh, Bayer is kind of responding to COVID and, and you wrote a post on that, but there was something in there that you referenced uh, that kind of stood out to me. That was a message from your board basically saying that Bayer will not return to your old ways of working after the Corona pandemic. And yeah. I think that was uh, a, I agree. I don't think any company will be able to just go back to what business was in February. I think that we all have to be making plans for what our work and how our business continuity and operations will be in this new reality. But for you, like take me inside of that process for Bayer, like especially at that scale, you're, you know, over a hundred thousand employees, over 90 countries where you operate. How in such a large organization, how do you kind of work with your board and your leadership team to design, you know, what you frame as like your next normal for business operations? Yeah. So, you know, we went into um, sprint mode, uh, literally, and informed um, and, and in addition to the global um, and various other crisis response teams. But we formed a team that we called Next Normal. Because, you know, as we all and we still are uh, learning and evolving around the globe, we knew it was important to um, think about our business shift, our cultural shift, and how do we take the positives out of uh, these pandemics this year that, that the world has been living through? How do we take that and make sure that we, um, you know, create a frame, framework to take that forward? And it shows up differently. Um, you know, it's a framework um, that shows up differently for countries or at a local level, because that's the beauty of what we all learned, right? That we've got to listen to um, our communities at a local level and balance that global with also local. Um, we, we knew another positive was distributed decision-making, you know, decision-making at, a, at, a, at, at, a, at that local level. And so I would say that, um, you know, there's kind of 
four main things I, I frame up as we th think about our next normal response um, that we know, you know, it's clear that our employees are looking for our workforce all around the world is look are looking for companies to be this different type of bedrock of truth, right? And navigating all of this unknown. So that's calling for a more human-centered leadership, which it also means a greater focus on inclusion and diversity, creating a sense of belonging for all of our employees, you know, not just those with the ability to work remote or work hybrid. Um, secondly, would be accelerated digital transformation. And this goes beyond just about uh, remote work, but right. development and deployment of digital business models, you know, virtual customer interactions, touchless transactions, you know, those are some examples. And then the third would be that the flexible ways of working and, you know, the the, the framework and absolute declaration that flexibility is for everyone, not just those with the ability to work from anywhere, but how do we enable leaders to really listen to um, all of our workforce um, and understand where are those opportunities to increase automation, maybe use some virtual learning or other ways to provide flexibility on the how, when, and even some cases where employees work. And then that last piece I'd say around this would be sustainability um, is, you know, being even more uh, fast-tracked out of this. So how, when, and where we all work and travel significantly contributes to building a more sustainable business that certainly is better for our people, our customers, and the planet, really. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so interesting and obviously the um the complexity of kind of going through this kind of an exercise at a place like Bayer where you have like every kind of employee uh you know many countries and regions set up uh there, there's you know you the the idea of having a one size fits all is not even in the discussion right like you have to be able to be uh, uh very kind of uh, uh adaptive in terms of how you uh how you both kind of design and co-create but then also implement these practices. And when you think, you know, taking, you know, I want to kind of take your, take your brain outside of Bayer for a moment. Like obviously you're, you're in a, in a very forward looking role, uh, at a very forward looking organization. Uh, when you think about the HR and people function, uh, as a whole, what changes do you expect we'll see in how HR and people teams operate, you know, whenever it is we're kind of in the post pandemic phase of this? Yeah, I, I think it's going to um, give rise to uh, HR professionals to uh, look at how work, uh, work around the purpose. Um, you know, people won't want to just work for companies. They want to work for a purpose. And so I think purpose will take a rise um, as it should in all of this and specifically for HR. So, you know, how we think about the future of work and what the workforce will mandate uh, will change, um, you know, the, the priorities for HR, you know, mobility, for example, will change, will forever change. It's, it won't just be about always relocating, but also how do we think about bringing work to where that skill is. So working with purpose, um, and then that goes into also, I think, this concept of um, 
flexibility is, you know, permanent and, and here to stay. And so that balance um, of workplace flexibility and that need to focus on what that means, that's also, by the way, given rise to wellness and well-being. And, you know, I, I was in a forum where I once heard, um, which I think was a great quote, uh, Zoom often, but not always, right? So the video fatigue or just the ways of working and taking care of that for our people. And then a third thing I think uh, will, will give rise to change for us as HR professionals is this whole um, platform for talent. Just like on the business side, we're becoming more of a platform company and many companies are, meaning your growth in some ways are coming from how you partner with other companies. Um, I think talent will start to work that same way. So we'll have to partner uh, with how people are, are forming and working and where the skills are. Um, and then this whole notion uh, of, of speed and uh, the change in speed, uh, I think, won't ever um, be the same. I think for HR, you know, we'll have to move at the speed of our most difficult customer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. It also means that embracing more data to fuel the speed uh, will be critical. Great. Well, Melissa, this has been really insightful and I appreciate you sharing your journey. And I know you've been uh, writing on LinkedIn about some of your practices and, and what you're learning and how this is unfolding. So I look forward to uh, keeping keeping tabs with your progress. And maybe, maybe we can regroup at some point next year as you move a little bit further down into these uh, into these new programs for your new normal to see what that looks like. Great. Thank you, Lars and everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Redefining HR. For more information on the podcast, past episodes, future guests, the Redefining HR book, or free resources, be sure to check out redefininghr.com. And if you dig this podcast, why don't you share it with your CEO, your executive team, and your friends to help them discover what Redefining HR is all about. If you really dig this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a review on whatever podcast delivery vehicle your ears prefer. See you next week.